Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Is this the real life or is this just a fictional reality? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Fictional Reality. I'm your host, James Elliott. I have two very esteemed guests and colleagues on the podcast today. And if you're noticing something that sounds like quality, then um, good for you. Well done on your ears, because I'm actually recording this out of a, what I consider a professional sound booth. (laughs) Sound booth is a stretch, but studio, podcast studio, it is is pretty standard. It is a, (laughs) a professional podcast studio, and I'm very happy to be here. I scheduled some time, very unlike me. Um, to talk with uh, Zane C. Weber and Callan Davis. We'll get around to those guys in a bit. But if you're coming back, thank you very much. Um, we're starting to resume episode content that actually includes interviewing people. So if you have just been listening to me recently, uh, thank you. I appreciate that. And uh, you putting the time and effort into listening one listening to one person just talk about themselves for 20 minutes. Now, three people are going to be talking about themselves for 20 minutes. So... Excellent. Even better. We're going to kick straight into it. Um, I'm just going to, I think, pass the mic around to both of you guys if you want to talk about a little bit about what you do, um, how we know each other, and then we'll get into the fictional reality element of things. So, uh, Zane, welcome back. Thank here you. On the first episode. I am. Wow. And now I'm on what is hopefully not the last episode. Absolutely not. <laughs> it's the 12th episode. It's the... T- I guess, yeah, if we're counting... There's a couple little bonus ones that I guess we're counting as well. Yeah, uh, including the bonus. Yeah, it's up at like 20 with the bonus mm, or mm. 18 or something. Anyway. So I'm a podcaster and a designer and just everything else. I do a lot of things. So I run TNC. Mm-hmm. I play a lot of games, mm. but not <clears throat> not computer games. Mm. I've I've surpassed computer games. They can no longer engage me. Interesting. And I blame the computer games. <laughs> oh, really? No, I blame myself. You blame? Yeah. It's you say a, that like it's a bad thing. Blame. Uh, no, well, I certainly have. I, they, they don't need a lot of my time anymore, which mm. is a good thing. Yeah. I think because I've tried. I've tried really hard to lose a day playing Civilization um, a couple times this year and it just doesn't do it for me anymore. Mm. Let's, let's move back. Let's start with that when we start talking because I think that's a great departure point sure. for, for a few questions I have about uh, getting involved and, and where our focus goes. Uh, but before we get there, Callan, welcome. Hello, I'm uh, Callan. I'm a developer and designer for Half Monster Games. Um, I work a lot with James, uh, well, Half Monster Games. Uh, so Jack and I work a lot with James on some of the mega games that we've run. Recently, we did a big event at Goma, which was fantastic. James was the master thief, um, and mm. Jack was the was the detective head of the detective yep. group. Um, and I uh, I play a lot of games, and 
mostly computer games, but also a lot of board games. Um, I play a lot of D and D and role playing games. Um, and I I am currently helping run the operations side of an independent game design company, which is certainly a lot of learning mm. um, and applica- and like direct application of that learning <laughs> in a very short time period. <laughs> Immediately, yeah. yeah. Like immediate you learn immediate and then you application have to of that email. learning is yeah. probably the best way, yeah. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah, we've had a heap of fun with Half mm. Monster Games um, and that probably be another thing we can probably branch yeah, into yeah. for a little bit is um, is going out into the real world and creating these event, uh, crossing that distinction between an event um, uh, like an uh, audience-based event, but it's a game. I think I think event is just the term that we use to sort of say this is when it's happening. It's it's there's a lot of different terms that people throw around, like alternate reality game or mm-hmm. or like um, player interaction. You know, sort of experience is used a lot, um, but I don't think people have really got a term around it. Mm. I think. Like mega game is sort of indicative of how many people are there and yeah. experience is indicative of sort of the what you're trying to achieve and, you know, alternate reality game is sort of indicative of what it is technically. Sort of, but it doesn't really explain it, doesn't it too really, well. Yeah. Like we're also activating, activating a space with gamification yeah, yeah. too, which doesn't have a term. Gamification is a term that's really popular now too. Yeah. <laughs> I stand here saying, let's call it a new thing. And I'm I sure mean, there's a whole <laughs> bunch of people out there that are like, no, we've been doing this for years, you idiot. No, they haven't, James. We're experts, man. That's what we are. There might be a few people that are doing that, but they're all calling it different things. Yeah, <laughs> right. that's <laughs> probably the problem. Yeah. I've been listening to... Um, no, oh, I say this word wrong. No proscenium? No proscenium. Proscenium, proscenium. Oh, cool. Yeah. Tomato, potato. Um, mm. I've been listening to that and there's a, there's a lot of uh, vitriol and resistance to some keywords in, in just trying to figure out what we're doing yeah. because we're, what we're doing is bringing the audience into a space and letting them be a part of it, but we're using rules and... Nerds are going to be nerds. Oh, look, there's a lot of stuff that they teach you in Game Design 101 that's about, like, you know, the magic circle and, like, if everyone buys into the story that you're selling and they're all living that world, then then that's what a game is. Mm. You know, and there's a whole lot of wank and there's a whole lot of, like, naff about that sort of stuff. Yeah. But it is real. Like, and... And you can see, you know, some of these mega game stuff, some of the stuff that that we're doing, and some of the stuff that James is doing with his um, treasure hunts and things like that are all the same sort of thing. Like you're taking someone to a place and telling them that the place they're in is not entirely what they see in front of them. There's mm-hmm. some something that, and and we create rules and stuff like that so that the players' minds can can uh, can conceptualize the story mm. that we're trying to to give them and then they can Frame act. Um, but, you know, there's a whole lot of free form and there's a whole, like there's, there's an entire like genre of free form mm. stuff there, which is like almost, pl- uh, what do they call it? Interactive theater. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, all yeah. the way over to like hardcore player LARP where there's like specific <laughs> oh, <yes>. rules, <laughs> swords and, and armor. I did, even, I did know. notice that in all the definitions that you put across, LARP was not one of them. <laughs> it's not a popular buzzword. LARP, LARP is, I, yeah. I, I, I played, I played mm-hmm. World of Darkness LARP for about four and a half years um, and it's very, very constrained with its rule set, you mm-hmm. know, but the thing is that it's, it's the same sort of experience. Um, yeah, it's the same sort of experience that they're trying to sort of sell to, to, um, to people. 
That's an interesting thing, the, the LARPing thing, because I come from theater, theater background, and uh, I have played, I like love LARPing. I think it's very fun, but there is a stigma around the word mm. and that you remove that stigma and essentially describe a LARP experience, but using different words like interactive theater or uh, immersive, immersive events sort of thing. And people love it. Yeah, yeah. And then in the end, you're like, you know, this is pretty much a LARP. <laughs> and it's like, how dare you? <laughs> I did not LARP. <laughs> I, I, well, I think the negative connotation around LARP comes from that gatekeeping Absolutely. Yeah. kind of heritage that it has. Whereas like there was a time when people would make that learning curve so steep that you have mm. to really dive in to get anything out of it. Mm. But you're not but a now, true LARPer. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but like what you're doing is really kind of uh, opening it up and just going like, this is the world you do something with it. Mm. Um, rather than like, you have to learn all of these things before you can even step through the door. Right. Yeah. 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 Here's one simple rule. Um, oh, it reminds me of our conversation about Cluedo as well. Mm. Just that simple. Mm. Here is the world. Come on in. Have fun. And I think people want to have fun. You mm. know, I think people want to do this sort of stuff. Um, and, you know, the, you're right about the gatekeeping. I think for a long time, people sort of tried to keep them out. But, you know, one of the things that I'm seeing a lot now with the stuff that we're doing and the stuff that James is doing, and there's a few other groups out there that are running mega games that you should definitely check out um, because they're making it so accessible the rules are being pared down to a point where you can have a character from a hand of cards um, or you can have a story that you can easily engage with from just a few sort of piece elements mm. given to you. Like um, some, of the, some of the sort of um, game mechanics that, that Jack and James came up with for the mega game were like technically, technically complex, but they fit into the world so well that they felt natural. Mm. You know, go to this place, get this, go to this place, get this, see this thing, which is a clue to put together a, put together a bunch of clues and you get a code that gives you a monster. Sounds like it's a long string of sentences, yeah, yeah. your yeah, core yeah. game mechanic. But actually it's like, when in practice, it's quite simple. Mm. Yeah, yeah yep. that buy-in time. Now, Zane, you said something intriguing. You've gone away from video games. Yes, this what? isn't a new thing, though. No, uh, this is this de <laughs> almost a decade long. Problem I've been waiting I've been for having. you online. <laughs> it's not happening. Uh, uh, so, uh, for like a decade, you've been. Like, yeah, away. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I find this really interesting because video games. I now go back to how video games are structured to try and think of how I can make like immersive experiences easy to buy in because mm, mm. I'm, I do things in video games that I would never give myself the focus to do in real life and all this. Um, so I'm interested, just maybe it's not relevant, but what is your story like from uh, going from video games into, I guess, more of like a social gameplay or? Yeah, well, I think my problem with games now, and I don't know whether this is just something that I've tried to overcome and so therefore I'm super aware of it, but the the structure of a lot of games now, where it's the grinding to to achieve anything, right. again, that's kind of gatekeeping. Is like if you're playing something like World of Warcraft or whatever, you need if you're not level forty, then you are virtually nothing. Yeah. And then the work that you have to do to get to level forty is really hard, and so you really have to buy in and have a lot of excitement and enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. 
Me so, with Counter Strike, by the way. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I Play mean, the yeah. And then you'll enjoy it. I mm. guess that is because multiplayer or single player. Mm. I I kind of never really got into multiplayer games because I was friends with a lot of people that were really into it, mm. and so were always much better than me. Mm. So if I, I was if I was just there to play, then I was having a good time. If I was there to compete at all, then it was always kind of like, oh, it's boring. I hate it. Right. Boring. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you like winning? I used to like winning a lot. I've overcome that in the last 10 years, I think. And I think that might be tied into it. Mm. Um, I no longer have a need to win when I play games. Mm. I'm much more interested in in the experience of playing the game uh, or interacting with the other people in the game. That being said, one of my biggest time sinks was Civilization. Mm. Um, and that used to really tap into my like uh, need to achieve something and, and right. the, kind of the, str- the strings that like if you get this, then you can go to here and you can do this and then... I love that. Yeah. That sort the of unlocking. thing. Yeah, that, that kind of really grabbed me and kept me for days. But <laughs> again, I'm just so aware of... I guess the process now is mm. no longer like hidden from me um, that I, as soon as I'm doing that, I'm like, well, what am I, what am I actually achieving here? <laughs> yeah. 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 You can see like, behind the curtain. Yeah. I've gone through this process so many times now. I, there's only many times, so many times I can kill Gandhi before <laughs> It loses all meaning. <laughs> yeah, I'm like a time traveler with limited with unlimited resources. Like, how many times do I do I kill every world leader and become king of the world before it's totally meaningless? Yeah, yeah. It's old hat, exactly. <laughs> There's no challenge anymore. Uh, yeah, hence why you're playing real life civilization now, um, uh, slowly <laughs> moving up into the yeah. world <laughs> domination spectrum, just one podcast at a time. Look, uh, Skomo, watch out. <laughs> yeah. Podcast will take over the world. Um, so something for fictional reality that I, I thought would be really fun to talk about is um utopias. So a utopia is a fictional reality. They don't exist. Uh or maybe they do. Mm, depends on your perspective. But I'm really interested now to find out what what people's utopias are but not with any real parameters. Like define utopia and then define your utopia. Uh, Because I, in my experience, utopia is a very responsive to things, responsive to problems or reactionary band-aids to the way Mm -hmm. that the world is. Uh, So I'm just trying to find out as many, from as many people as I can and using my podcast as 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 a way to do this, of what is a utopia and is it possible? Well, James, you see, the word utopia actually <laughs> actually means that it it can't exist. Oh, right, because it's from the Greek <laughs> EU. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't actually know what this is. What is this? So the 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 word um, it was Tom, was it Thomas More who, who yes. wrote Utopia and made the word up. And it basically means yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a paradise that can't exist. Oh, right. So we aim for that and we get something better than what we have, but we'll never achieve that. True mm. utopia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, a, a friend of mine did a, did a, a cabaret a few years ago um, about 
the zombie apocalypse and that kind of dystopia and how that dystopia, the reason we're so obsessed with it is because that's a kind of utopia because everything is so much so so much simpler. Mm, because so interesting. Free. Yeah, because right. right and wrong are very clear. Mm-hmm. It's very naturalistic. Like, you know, the, the pass fail is very obvious. Right. You know when you're doing something right and when you're doing something wrong. Um, and yes, the stakes are super high because you'll die, but also that 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 is, that is an ease that we, we everything's so complex and we so yeah. many overlaying systems at the moment yeah, yeah. that that is something that we that dystopia that post apocalypse mm. is actually a utopia for a lot of people or a kind of utopia. Yeah, that sounds exactly like what you were saying, James. You know, it's reaction to our <laughs> current situation to the world that we live in. Yeah. Uh, a dystopic utopia that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Uh, yeah, you watch. Well, why are they popular? Because yeah. you're like, oh man, we don't have all of this political turmoil. It's like <laughs> all I, I need kill, is a machete, I kill those zombies. <laughs> a machete, and a van. Yeah, <laughs> and I could just go into a an old uh, grocery store and potentially find all this chocolate there for free. <laughs> what a world! What a world! Also, like, despite all the murder and rape, it also so, sorry from a game design perspective, you're choices of actions are constrained so you're sort of like oh. the, the what they call the i can't remember the exact term it's like the difficulty of choice right you mm. know this whole like if you have too many choices you can't act mm. which is kind of the situation that we're in at the moment yeah there are so many things that you can do to help the world and so mm. you know it's hard to pick one that you feel is going to be effective whereas if your choices are limited to do this or you die then it's it's really easy to make that choice you know yeah 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 and then, I mean, at the same time, that sounds like with a little bit less freedom, choices are easier to make. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realize that. Is that true? Right. No. Oh, well, I mean, if you're talking about a computer game, hell yeah. If yeah, you're talking yeah. about making a game, then yeah. If you're talking I think, about... I think, yeah, that is absolutely true. Like, yeah. that's the appeal of fascism and dictatorships is when one person is totally. in charge... Everything's a lot easier yep. because you don't. There's a whole, whole suite of things that everyone else doesn't have to think about at all. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about rainforest because glorious leader is going to fix that. Mm. And if he doesn't, mm. then we'll get a new glorious leader. Yeah, right. And it's his fault. It's not my fault. Mm. I'm just going to live my life. I'm just going to do whatever I want. So, so it's <laughs> very comfortable about that. I, I see that. Um, I've run a lot of drama games and workshops and things, and. Uh, something really eye-opening for me was seeing this behavior come out as an emergent property of stipulating a few rules. And then, so the the game was very simply like you have a group of five people, uh, one person is the leader and the others do what they say. And we just played that for like five minutes. That was it. That was all they were told. And these tribal mechanics emerge out of this. Um, you talk You talk with them after and, in, invariably there were people who preferred they're like oh, you know I, I just got to relax for five minutes and <laughs> they had enough trust yeah, in the yeah. person in the middle um you know the game the it was low enough stakes that they could get go into this environment where they actually felt really relieved finally um which i find really interesting is the the double edge of this f- idea of freedom mm. that there's a relief to not having so much that you just become overwhelmed with choice Oh, I mean, that's uh, direction. Like when, mm. you, when you're talking about theatre, like yes, a, an actor will ask for direction if they don't know what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And so I guess that applies to 
real life and particularly gameplay as well. It's like if you put someone in a in a in a sixties hippie commune and they know it's a game but they don't know what the rules are, what are they gonna do? But mm. if you like put them in a nineteen sixties commune and the game is to find the cult leader, then they have a direction, go. yeah. They have yeah. something to. They have a framework to to build from. Interesting. And I think. Um. I think the the issue comes in when you get freedom, like when the players want to express a freedom that they can't because of the constraints. So, mm. you know, if we're talking about games, for example, you know, when you constrain player agency and their ability to actually do something, um, you know, you get the opposite of of decision fatigue, which is what I, which is the term I was trying to think <laughs> of earlier. Mm. You get this this uh, rail uh, railroaded approach, and I think that like you mm. know we can talk about fascism being a utopia, but you do end up with that where like mm. you're if you want to do something outside of the options that are available to you, right? You can't. You can't. Yeah. And right. in a computer game, you just can't. Like, there's just not a. You know, uh, someone no, hasn't coded yeah, that. Yeah, there's no code for that. In a in <laughs> a in a immersive experience, you know, someone might come up to you and say, "Oh, sorry, dude, mm. like you're not allowed to do that." Yeah. But yeah. in a fascist society or a fascist utopia, mm-hmm. you know, you disappear. Yeah. Right. Interesting. So my <laughs> question is: Is a, uh, how much free <laughs> how much freedom exists in utopia? Like, I suppose, like in a fascist utopia, maybe. Glorious leader gives you an opportunity to do that. Yeah, I'm talking about a utopia. I, I mean, in my personal utopia, it's mm. it's pretty much the exact opposite of fascist utopia. Right. It's like everyone has the resources to create whatever they want to create. Right. Uh, so if that is just you want to have a have a family, and that's the entirety of what you want your existence to be, you have the resources to be able to do it. Mm. Um, but I I mean. That's the thing. The problem with utopia is each individual person is going to have a very individual utopia. <laughs> that's why. Say, that's could, why heaven, mm. it, it, like the very the medieval ideas of heaven and like what heaven entails, mm. it do, it does not suit someone from now because they just want to watch Netflix all day, right? And is Netflix in heaven? <laughs> and is there Net- Netflix I mean, in ideally, heaven? And if, yes. and if Netflix <laughs> is in heaven. Is it free? Are all the actors that are on Netflix that are currently in hell being screened in heaven? <laughs> they're just blanked out. And the content is all there. Deep fakes, yeah. man. Deep fakes. Yeah. <laughs> deep fakes, yeah. <laughs> and if so, are the shows that they made that perhaps sent them to hell mm-hmm. also being shown on Netflix in heaven? Yeah, right. That's a very good question about yeah. And is uh, heaven is then heaven profiting censored. from the sins of others? <laughs> In which case, is that a sacrifice for others? So therefore, it's not a sin. Like I think you're putting forward, a, I think you're putting forward a position that has a whole lot of assumptions there. Yeah, it's not in a really? Judeo-Christian. No, I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty clear. Pretty airtight. <laughs> it's not the Judeo-Christian heaven, at least. No, no, no not no. at all. Uh, I, well, my question is then: there uh, in in this utopia, would I be free to? Have the resources to build a large fence <laughs> to yeah. keep someone out. Or? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, now I just want to like ask you questions about the, the intricacies of your utopia. Well, that's, which that's you came what up I mean. Like, if, if you want to yeah. exploit my utopia, mm. 
you you would be able to free to yeah like that's the thing in some people's utopia like i'm sure my like if i explored my grandmother's utopia it would be a very 1950s nuclear family suburban idea of utopia everyone has their own house and a dog and two and a half kids um but that concept itself is necessarily exclusive whereas yours isn't exclusive like your utopia is inclusive mine, mine is Exclusive, just in very different ways. Like people who don't have the creative impulse, mm. what, are, what are they going to do? Nothing. Yeah, what are they yeah. going to do? Are they, and are they happy doing that, or do they yeah, want to be told what to do? Mm. Like uh, that's just my my impulse to create. I project onto everyone else. Right. Whereas I know I know people that just don't have that impulse to create in the way that I do. Mm. They 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 like to consume. They like to be directed in their. They, they participate in creation, in theatre, in gameplay and stuff like that, but they don't have the urge to break that down and build it up in new ways. They just want to enjoy the, the end product. Mm, yeah. Mm. Yeah. They're passive observers rather than, yeah. rather than engage, people who engage. Which I love. I love those people so much. And I find I'm not one of those people. Like, of the content I create, um, I'm not a con- I wouldn't be a consumer of it per se. I have the idea that mm. I love going to theatre, but I never do unless I get a free ticket or, or for whatever reason. I've got some <laughs> ulterior motive. Um, and I, I look at the people who uh, yeah, consume content. I have a friend online who I think fits that role perfectly. He's, very, he's self-aware and he just loves going to his job and then being able to buy pop culture collectibles and mm-hmm. go and see things and go to Disney World and get pictures with all the... Full-time fan. Full-time yeah, fan. Yeah. And I... It's just like I have some strange admiration there of like, thank you. It's people like you that are keeping people like me doing my thing. Because if everyone was like me, then I encounter what I encounter when I encounter people like me. Yeah. Is that we all just create stuff, but then it comes time to sort of, well, can I turn this into money? And everyone's like, oh, I'm too poor. I don't want to do that. I got other stuff to do. And yeah. I mean, ideally, we'd all be paying, you know, in a, in a <laughs> creative's utopia, we'd all be paying for each other's stuff. But, like, I, I totally understand this other guy's point of view. Like, to mm. me, it's really attractive to have a nine-to-five, you know, salary, you know, income salary and get to, you know, have put money on the table for my wife and kids. And, and like, I, on my weekends, I get to do whatever the hell I like. I mm. know, you know, my weekends aren't controlled by whether or not I've got something that I have to do to, to, to have my job. But, like, that, that, sort, of, that sort of life is... I think these days very hard to achieve um, because mm. you know mm. because we're we're in a place where so many people have a little bit of creative spark mm. or a lot like a variable amount and the opportunity to express that creative spark that's like is pretty ubiquitous. Yeah, because well, of it's the internet. Yeah, it is. It is, but it's also hard to to have it mean anything. Correct. Yeah. You know, like mm, like yeah. you know, if I wanted to go and run a D and D campaign and I get to express my like storytelling or whatever, it doesn't mean anything if I just run it for a bunch of my mates. Like it's fun and it's good, and I get to do it on the weekend. Mm. But like to take time out of your day to go and make a game mm, or mm. to take time out of your day to to run a podcast channel or or make these treasure hunts or whatever, like that's it's it's you know it people everyone i think a lot of people maybe not everyone but a huge amount of people nowadays want to be able to do that and it's hard for them to find a way it's becoming easier but it's hard i i think hard to to have what we would call 
success yeah, yeah. In, mm. in that. I mean, it's easy to do. Like you can write stories all day and you can mm. publish them online and anyone can read them. But to do that as your nine to five, like mm. if you were mm. nine to five, you get up, you go to work, you write stories. You just write creative short stories mm. and you post them online and that's all you do. As long as you're doing that from nine to five, you get paid regardless of your output, regardless of the quality, <laughs> regardless of whatever. And then you come home, what are you going to do? It's, yeah, so it's really the, 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 the trouble of being a creative in a world where you expect your creativity to also profit. Yeah, yeah. Or, su- or at least support you rather than just being a creative outlet. Mm. Yeah. Because I imagine that that former example there uh, would just, it doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Maybe, maybe I mean, it could if be. If you maybe really enjoy really. writing, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't find it fun. Mm. Like if I had to pick a job that I could do nine to five mm. and just get the same amount of money as I'm getting now, but I would just nine to five, Monday to Friday, be doing this one job. Mm. I would have to think really hard as to what I would be doing. Yeah, me too. Because what I want to be doing now in this world, in this life, mm. is run TNC. Yeah. But that running TNC is a lot of different functions. Mm. Kind yeah, of yeah. like growing your skill set. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. it's producing, it's administrating, it's creating. Um, whereas if I was just doing, if I was just doing voiceover work or if I was just doing business administration or if I was just doing social media management, mm. like reducing it to that one task, is, I, I would probably just want to be a zookeeper. Like just <laughs> <laughs> and then just I would like, still yeah, do podcasts yeah, yeah, yeah. on yeah. the side yeah. uh, where, where it's not <laughs> so repetitive. I have yeah. the same feeling about uh, digging holes. Right. Yep. Yeah. Like you just when I was given hole. the hole digging job on a building site, I loved it. And no matter what the ground was or <laughs> what sort of shovel I had, you know, it was, it was like, I can do this. And it was I a weird that. thing of like, I could probably do this all day. For the rest of your life. Yeah. I'm, well the- I'm going to take that job instead of like nine to five. I'm going to say you could go out and dig holes, make a solid salary, mm-hmm. you know, and in your spare time you can, you know, <laughs> do a podcast. Are then, you going to be happy? Well, and then yet I had that situation and I rejected it. So <laughs> here we are. Here's our answer. Well, yeah, yeah. I think uh, that was very much... Uh, so I have, I have a question actually for you, Zane. Um, if you were able to, you know, for example create all this stuff with unlimited resources, you don't need a nine to five. You've got unlimited resources. Yeah, to, you absolutely. Know, and that's kind of the utopia. Stuff. But then do you think that you'd have this person who writes all day and gets sick of it because they, there's no like... Yes. Well, I think uh, what I would do easy, is like, I would do what I want to do until I wanted to do something else and then I would do something else. Right. But I, yes. think, I think that that those things would have the common denominator would be it would be creative and I would be doing something in the creative sphere whereas that's what I mean by my utopia is definitely not everyone's utopia Mm. because not everyone has that drive and so they would be bored or Mm. they would be angry or they would be yeah I like my I tell you, my brother is completely opposite he would Mm. not want to do that oh I'm terrible at creating my I can't create something out of whole cloth I can, I can, I can tweak things. I can, I can like modify things. I can look at something and and see the elements there that make it good. 
and mm. then editing is creating. I'm just going to say that editing is a really important part of creating. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, and, and like a really important part of collaboration like, as well. The thing is that, like, in that case, you know, sort of, I can see, I can see people that would that you yeah, absolutely would struggle in, mm. in your utopia, um, you know, and not necessarily just because they don't have a creative spark, but also because there are, I think there are some people that can create something out of nothing. Um, and there are some people that, that can't. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And that's, and that's why utopia is a very personal thing mm. because yeah, yeah. Pretty much anyone's idea of utopia is very close to everyone else's dystopia. Yeah, 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 and their own personal utopia is going to serve their needs. Yeah, mm. um, and honestly, like my utopia is mm. getting exactly what I was talking about at gameplay is just removing grind. Right. Like if I never have to grind to achieve anything, if I always just have food in my fridge and a mm. place to live, I just do what I want to do, which is create things. Mm. Uh, whereas without any, I don't have to be in a certain place at a certain time doing a certain thing. Mm to earn the right to do that. And I would argue as a society, we have been moving like that has been showing as a true phenomenon. Mm. Um, when we do have resources, we do create, uh, yeah, I agree. I'm not a historian, but we seem to be more prolifically creating now that we, uh, can just, you know, we're living in a time of affluence right now, comparatively, uh, and creating is, Immeasurably easier. Mm. We can create a Facebook profile pretty easily. Sort of. It's that hierarchy of needs thing, you know. Yeah. When you, yeah. When yeah. you have, yeah. when you ha- don't have the bottom, the bottom needs, you're going to strive towards those. Mm. Um, but when you have those needs covered, you're going to strive towards the more esoteric ones. Yeah. Excellent. I'm going to take all this information back to the future, um, and then of course tell that to them, and we're going to go way back in the past and just make a few shifts every now and again. So Please do. Yeah. yeah. Actually, Sounds the world great. you're living in right now, Zane, has been influenced by you. You have not course. done it right. I'm <laughs> just saying. I'm, you've made some terrible mistakes somewhere we're along the way. We're not the only people oh, For me to. personally. Future Zane said you'd say that. Future Zane, oh, I'm surprised that there is a future Zane. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, you know there is. There's photo evidence of us together. <laughs> um, oh, look. That's great. I'm going to wrap it up there, but just one quick little question for you guys uh, to answer and then we'll call it an episode. It's, it's, it's a broad philosophical question, so do what you can with, uh, with a quick answer. Uh, fictional realities, you have, I've talked to you both about them. You have an idea of sort of what I mean when I say them. What is a fictional reality that either you or we tell ourselves that helps us get through the day? What's, what's a fictional perspective that we have if you make that, like it helps to you tomorrow, make sense of the world if you make it to tomorrow then you'll be able to handle tomorrow okay that's one thing that i i, I that's bullshit did oh it's total bullshit <laughs> because you get to tomorrow and then there's the next day yeah right day, yeah, yeah. right like you know you know for right. even if we're not talking about just tomorrow like um <laughs> when i was living in japan mm. and i and i eventually decided that i needed to move back to australia i was like i didn't think about anything past getting in the country I didn't think about like what my job was going to be. I didn't right. think about where I was going to live. I didn't have anything sorted. It was just get out of Japan, get back to Australia. One step at a time. And I was like, I'll figure it out from there. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think a lot of people have that mentality that like, I just need to get to this next big thing. But, you know, you're, you're, you're shooting yourself in the leg if you're not yeah. considering how you can, you can use that to shoot yourself off to the next point. Well, then you're always in the, 
I'm just going to get to the next thing. Yeah, it's a grind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're always, always in that oh, grind, man. I'm just going to get to lunch. Oh, I'm just going to get to <laughs> yeah. the toilet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, everything would be great. Well, I don't get, once I get to the toilet, man, my life is set. Everything. <laughs> yeah, get to the yeah. toilet. And you don't, I'm just going to get... Oh. Some days, some days it's just like, I just need to get out of this office mm-hmm. for five minutes yeah. or I'm going to kill a client. <laughs> <laughs> and the toilet is the sole refuge. Is, that's how you do it, yeah. <laughs> How about how about you, Zena? It's a pretty silly question, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm head. trying to think of something that isn't incredibly dark, but I think go dark. Sure, I mean that your dissatisfaction is not your fault. I think uh, if you're dissatisfied with oh, something, yeah. it's your fault. You either yeah, need right. to own it and figure out a way to be satisfied with it, or work to change it. Right. And that there, yeah, that's that's kind go of hard, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it, I thought it was dark. It's actually pretty accusatory. Like I am not satisfied with much in my life, but like I, I most of what I'm doing, I'm working either to make better or to accept. I mean, it could yeah. be like uplifting, right? It could like be. You have the opportunity to change your fate. It really, it, feels, it really is phrasing, and yeah. maybe future Zane will phrase it better. But yeah. at the moment, I'm just, just it like I want to blame people. Pragmatic. In a way mm. of like, uh, yeah, if you are dissatisfied, that is, uh, you've been, what I would say to that. And people listening, <laughs> <laughs> let me say something so that I can inspire you to interact with me. Um, if you're feeling dissatisfied, then that is a reality that you have been prescribed, mm. um, that you should be dissatisfied, that there is a better world out there, that it exists and that you deserve to have it and you have been thwarted. Mm. You have mm. been, something has been taken away from you <laughs> that you rightly deserve. Um, and that, yeah, th- I think that is a very debilitating mm. way to look at the world because you also then say, well, there's nothing I can do. Mm. If the world's unfair and I don't have anything I want, then that's not my fault. Um, and so I just have to sit here and suffer and brood, um, which I yeah. think is a very toxic fictional reality that, you know, it helps. I think it it's probably helps people, people who feel that way, I'm not helped by it, but um, that idea of, ah, oh, this fucking thing sucks. <coughs> so therefore, whatever, probably gets people out into the workforce doing stuff they hate and uh, con- contributing to a society that they don't attach to. I mean, that's my point. Right. Is like revolution now, please. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I see that. Di- <laughs> I, I knew a person recently who um, was every time you'd talk to him would just be like, oh, I hate my job so much. And I had to sit next to someone today and they, they spread their legs so far that their knee touched mine. And I was just like, Oh God, do I, do you have to sit that way? <laughs> and uh, like hearing this guy very genuinely complain about this, this way that he was put upon and just, I don't know, maybe, maybe that was me making myself feel better. Um, but there was a feeling of like, Maybe you know what you do in that situation. Well, just put your hand lightly on their knee. <laughs> yeah. Either way, it's going to be an interesting situation. <laughs> just escalate. Just, yeah. just escalate. See where this goes. Good improv rules. This is like, are you uncomfortable? Escalate the situation. <laughs> Take control. That's what I say. It's all fictional. <laughs> um, well, look, that that actually ended up being a thirty-eight minute episode. So oh, there you go. Fantastic. Yeah. Time flies uh, when you're chilling out with the time traveler. So uh, I was going to say Zalan and Kane. Um, mm. Thank you very much. I'll take it. For coming yeah, on to the, on. Uh, uh, another episode of Fictional Reality. We did wing it, but that's how I roll in this little podcast here. So 
thanks very much, guys. You want to say any final words? Um, check out Half Monster Games. Oh yeah, pl- yeah, We're Half super Monster Games. Cool. Um, I second this. Half Monster Aww. Games is very cool. I like Terrible Candidates is one of my favorite games. Just going to say that. Right, it's We're, a fun game. It's a fun game. Yeah, I genuinely had a party the other night and was like, "This will fit. This is the best mm. game for this party." Right? Yeah, like, yeah, I have a cool game so that good. I want to. <laughs> oh my Im- goodness! Impose oh, upon my guests. Yeah, look how cool <laughs> I am. No, this is like you guys. I are always love feel this. like I'm imposing, but then I'm like, "Nah, man, our games are freaking sick." So we've got lots of fun games. Um, mm. Check them out, and I'm very proud of all of them. Check them out. They're great. Halfmonstergames.com. Um, yeah, we're, we're all doing some great stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'd yeah. say we're now. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, James anything, is, is working with us as well. He's mm. fantastic. So lovely. Well, thanks for tuning in, listeners. You've been a great audience. Um, I appreciate all the heckling. And uh, we'll be back next time with another episode of Fictional Reality. <laughs>